Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. our series this summer has been what Jesus said about that. And we've been looking at a lot of different topics that Jesus addressed through his life and ministry here on this earth. And today we're going to address um, one of those sayings of Jesus. I think it might very well be the most quoted of all of Jesus' sayings. In fact, I believe it has been most quoted by people who don't even consider themselves Christ followers. In fact, you may have actually quoted this one and not even realized where it came from or who it was that said it. And it was actually Jesus who said it, and it's all about judging. And he said some things about judging, and that's what we're going to look at today. Um, And in fact, if you're here today and you are not a Christ follower, and one of the biggest, probably one of the biggest reasons you are not is you look at people inside the church or those who call themselves Christians, and and their judgmental attitude is the one thing that's kept you from becoming a follower of Jesus. So if you think it bothers you, you ought to see how much it bothered Jesus. Because this is what Jesus had to say about judging. Do not judge. There it is. Closing prayer. Let's all go home, okay? Uh, No, he actually said a little bit more than that. Um, It's in Matthew chapter 7. This is what Jesus said. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, this is probably the shortest of all of the sayings of Jesus that we're going to look at in this whole series. It's actually only five sentences long, but in five sentences, Jesus said an awful lot about this topic of judging. And more specifically, and this is what we're going to look at today, is not just what he said about judging, but specifically how you and I can keep from being judgmental. Because I think that's the whole reason he talked about judging. And it starts with this. It starts with recognizing your own critical attitudes. The very first thing Jesus says is, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, why do you think he said that? Because judging is what we do. And it's not just confined to religious people. Everybody does it on some level or another. It's just that religious people have developed it into a very fine art. Okay? Jesus said, no, no, no. And it helps to understand the context. This is actually a part of his sermon on the mount. It's at the very end of his sermon on the mount. He has spent a good deal of time talking about what is right and what is wrong. He's been talking about our attitudes and and, and our behaviors and our actions and all of these things. He has spent a good deal of time. In fact, it goes on for three chapters talking about all these things. His, His famous Sermon on the Mount where he laid out what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And he spent all this time talking about it, but he ends with this idea of do not judge. And I think what he's saying is, listen... Now that you know what God has to say about these things, don't mistake that that means it's your job to be the enforcer. Because see, that's what happens is we have this tendency to think, okay, now that I know what God thinks about this or what God says about this, then now it's my job to enforce it on everybody else. And I think what Jesus is saying here is at the end of this whole long sermon, he said, listen, I gave you some very important stuff here. This is really critical stuff for your own life. 
But don't take this stuff and go beat somebody else over the head with it. That is not your job. See, that's the mistake that we make. We think because now we know what Jesus said. Now it's our job to be the enforcer. And it's not your job. And this whole idea of of judgmentalism is very, very subtle. Okay, it sneaks up on us without even knowing it. A guy named uh, David Kinnaman wrote a book a while ago called uh, Unchristian. And it comes from some surveys that they did about people who are outside the church, what they think about it, how they see those inside the church. And one of the big things that that came out of that was that a lot of people who are outside the church look at Christians and see that they are just too judgmental. And he, was, he writes about this in the book that he was actually speaking about this at a, at, a, at a seminar and afterwards had a one-on-one conversation with somebody and just talking about this whole idea of stereotyping and judging other people. And the other guy in the conversation said, I know what you mean. He said, when I see, see, see people who are all tattooed or, 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 um, or pierced up, you know, I try not to judge by their appearances. I try to understand that it's only a symptom of something much deeper. <laughs> yeah, think about that, okay? What he said is, I don't want to judge by appearances. I know there's a much deeper problem in that person, okay? That's judgmentalism, folks. But that's how subtle it is. Have you ever, have you ever sat and listened to a sermon and thought to yourself, I wish so-and-so was here because they really need to hear this. Yeah, you ever done that? You ever, you ever sat next to your, like your husband or your wife and you just kind of want to poke them and say, this one's for you, you know? All right? You know what, it? This one's for you. So go ahead and poke the person who would poke you otherwise. You know, this one's for you, all right? Here's another one. When you see somebody sinning, what is your emotional reaction to it? Is it anger or is it sorrow? I think when you see someone sinning and your first reaction is one of anger, I think there's a little bit of judgmentalism in there. I think when you see it and it breaks your heart, you realize what this person's doing to themselves or to the people around you, and you feel a heartbreak about it, I think that's closer to Jesus' reaction. See, that's how Jesus reacted to to people's sin. It says in Matthew 9, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, when Jesus looked at people in their sin, it broke his heart. He had compassion on them because there were people who didn't have any, had anybody to lead them. They didn't know the right directions. That they, they were like sheep just wandering. They had no direction for their lives, and it broke his heart. I think that's closer to how Jesus approached this whole thing. In fact, think about this, okay? Jesus had no sin of his own. He is the only one who lived a human life totally pleasing to God with no sin of his own. If there was anybody who had the right and the authority and the clarity to be able to make judgments, it would have been Jesus. If there was anybody who could have spent all of his life and ministry around here saying, hey, cut that out, knock it off, that's way out of bounds, stop it, it would have been Jesus. The one person who had every right and who could have spent all of his time doing that very thing didn't do it. He could have very easily spent 24-7 just pointing out people's sin. (laughs) Because he could see it most clearly. Instead, 
He had compassion on people. There's an account that's actually in all four Gospels, but Luke gives a little bit of an insight to it. There is a woman who is a prostitute. She comes to Jesus, and she is so broken, and she comes to him. She actually has an alabaster jar that is filled with perfume. She breaks it open and and anoints his feet with this perfume. And and then in her tears, she washes his feet and uses her hair to dry his feet. And everybody standing all around watching this whole thing take place. Luke says they look at them and they say to themselves, if he only knew what kind of woman she really was. Jesus stops him in the middle of all their judging. He says, listen. She has come with a pure act of worship. There's another account in Luke's gospel where there is a man who has been born blind. He sits at the city gates begging because he has no source of income. He can't work. He's simply a beggar. And, and, and every day people walk by this gate. And this one day Jesus and his disciples come into this village. And as they come into the village, they see this man sitting by the side of the road Blind, he's been blind from birth. He is begging. And the discussion among the disciples and what they say to Jesus is, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it his parents' sin or was it his own sin? Jesus says, that is not the point. (laughs) What he does is he heals him. See, that's how Jesus approached our sinfulness. He didn't judge or condemn. Instead, he looked with compassion. Well, I think by his examples and by his teaching, what he's saying is that it is not your job. It is not your job to judge. First off, because you don't have all the information. How can a judge make a judgment if he doesn't have all the information? And you don't have the information. You have no idea that person's background. You have no idea what they've been through. You don't have any idea what their struggles are, what their weaknesses are. You don't have any idea what's going on in their life. So you are not equipped to make that judgment. And the second thing about it is, and the, word that the way that the word is used here in this context, the idea of judging is, is condemning. In other words, you have drawn a conclusion about somebody's life who is still, the story is still being written. It's not your job. It's not your job. Jesus said, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So let me ask you this morning, how would you like to be judged? How would I like to be judged? Well, not at all, to be honest with you. <laughs> but if I am going to be judged, I want it with understanding, with someone who knows the bigger picture, who knows my insecurities and my faults and my weaknesses and my struggles. He says, it's the same measure that you use on others. It's a measure to be used for you. This whole idea of of, of judgmentalism, it's got to start with recognizing our own propensity to do it. And we all do it. And then he says, then he says, address your own faults first. See, we tend to magnify the sin and the faults of others and minimize our own. We tend to exaggerate um, the shortcomings of other people and kind of excuse our own. But Jesus turns that 180 degrees and he says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now the word he uses there, that word plank, some of your translations might say log or might say beam. What it is, it's, it's the word that's used, it's the word for the main support structure for a house. 
And what he's doing is he's using humor here, okay? We, we read that, and we, you know, because it's Bible, we have to be very solemn about it. Oh, that's deep. No, he's making a joke. That's what he's doing. He says, listen, you're trying to pull sawdust at somebody. You got this big old beam that's hanging out of your own. You can't even, you're oblivious to your own faults when you're trying to fix somebody else. He's making a joke. Thank you. <laughs> somebody got it. That's what he's doing. You think about it. That's a, get the mental picture there, and you realize what he's doing. He's saying, are you crazy? <laughs> are you crazy? He says, first, take care of yourself. See, we can see so well in others, and we are so oblivious in ourselves. I have found that the most self-righteous people I know tend to be the less self-aware people I know. In fact, the more self-righteous, the less self-aware. And what Jesus is saying is you need to become a little more self-aware. Pay attention to your own stuff. We have this this spiritual myopia, if you will. And what we really need is, is LASIK surgery on the eyes of our souls so we can see a little bit more clearly our own faults. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? What he's saying is, listen, you wouldn't go for eye surgery with a surgeon who can't see. You wouldn't do that. So what makes you think that you had the expertise to remove a plank, a speck from somebody else's eye when you got this big old plank in your own? My wife, Betty, had, had LASIK surgery a number of years ago now, back when it was still pretty new. And, and um, you know, you only get like two shots at this one. So she was really nervous about the whole thing. She wanted to be done with the glasses and the contacts and all that stuff. And for years, they told her she couldn't do it because she had astigmatism. And, and, and then with the new LASIK, it was possible. And so she did, she did all the research. She researched the doctor. She wanted to know because she said, I, you know, I'm not going to take any chances with my eyes because, man, if he messes up, that's it for me. And that's, that's kind of what Jesus is saying. Listen, don't think You can perform surgery on somebody else when you're half blind yourself. It's not your job. It's not my job. I think there's two reasons why we tend to become judgmental. One of them is we're a little bit jealous. We see other people doing things that we know are wrong, and they look like they're having so much fun. You know, honestly, come on. And so we look at them and say, but I can't do that. If I can't do that, they shouldn't be able to do it either, you know? And I think there's a little bit of jealousy, like they're having way too much fun, and I don't get to do that kind of stuff. But I think the deeper reason is this. If we can find fault in other people, we can feel better about ourselves. And if we can find fault in other people, we don't have to address our own issues. That's why Jesus says, no, 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 you start with yourself first. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. What he's calling for is self-examination and self-awareness. And it's an odd kind of thing because on one hand, we really do want to know the truth about ourselves. But on the other hand, we don't really want to know the truth about ourselves. You notice that? Like, like your bathroom scale. Okay? You got a bathroom scale. You weigh yourself every morning because you want to know the truth about yourself. But when do you do it? First thing in the morning, after you've not eaten for 12 hours and before you put on any clothes and you want to know the truth, but you don't really want to know the truth because you want to go through the rest of the day thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. But really, you weigh a lot more than you did when you first did it in the morning. Then we want to know the truth about ourselves. 
but not really at the same time. So Jesus says, no, no, no. Pay attention to yourself. When it comes to judgmentalism, first recognize your propensity to do it, and then start dealing with your own issues, and then, and only then, you're going to be able to help somebody else. Then extend your help, but do it with humility and with grace. I think there's a lot of confusion around this issue of judging. And I think most of the confusion stems from the fact that we are really big on the first half of what Jesus said, but we don't pay attention to the second half. We say, don't judge me. Don't be a judge. Don't judge other people. Okay? And, and, and that's true. That's what Jesus says. Don't judge. But we equate don't judge with don't care. Don't get involved. Mind your own business. Get your nose out of other people. Stay away. Don't, don't say anything to anybody ever. And that's not what Jesus said. He said, take the plank out of your own eye. But there was a reason. So that, so that you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, don't judge does not mean the same thing as don't care. Don't judge is not the same thing as don't get involved. Don't judge is not the same thing as mind your own business, keep your nose to your own stuff and, and shut up. It's not what it means. We are called, we are called to care for one another. We have a responsibility for each other. And we are called to do that. There is a big, big difference between condemning and discerning. And we have a responsibility for one another. When you become a Christ follower, you become a part of God's family. And when you become a part of a family, you become responsible for other people. And you make yourself accountable to other people. People in recovery understand this very well. People in recovery know we need each other's help to overcome this stuff. We need God's help and we need each other's help. And very often someone in recovery will will find someone to be their sponsor. Someone that will hold them accountable. Because they know I have this propensity towards um, self-indulgence. And along with that lack of self-awareness. And I like to lie to myself. And I like to fool myself and think that it's okay. And I know I can fool myself. But I can't fool somebody who's been there and done that too. And so the whole idea in the recovery group process is that you have a sponsor who can call you on your tricks. Because they know those tricks. They've done them themselves. And you can't fool them. See, when you become a part of a church family, you make yourself accountable to other believers. And you make yourself responsible for other believers. And when he says, get the plank out of your own eye first, he's not saying you have to be perfect before you can help anybody else. What he's saying is that if you are aware of your own struggles and your own faults and your own issues and how you do the things that you don't want to do, but you find yourself doing and you say you'll never do it again and then you find yourself doing it again anyway, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm the only one. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. See, when you come at it understanding, I got my struggles 
I got my issues. My issues may not be your issues. My struggles may not be your struggles, but I got them. When I start first dealing with my own stuff, I'm much more humble and helpful in helping somebody else. When I come across like I got it all together and I don't have any problems and you got to shape up and be as good as I am, it gets you nowhere. So what he's saying is, you start with yourself, but when you start with yourself, it changes that whole perspective. And it helps you be more understanding and a little more humble and filled with grace. And then you begin to see people the way Jesus saw them, with compassion. We talk about it sometimes about hating the sin, but loving the sinner. And, and that, that's, that's kind of a tough thing maybe to get your head around. But I like the way C.S. Lewis wrote about it. C.S. Lewis wrote, he said, I used to think this is a silly straw splitting distinction. How could you hate what a man did and not hate the man? Years later, it occurred to me that there was one man to whom I had been doing this all my life, namely myself. However much I might dislike my own cowardice or conceit or greed, I went on loving myself. There had never been the slightest difficulty about it. In fact, the very reason why I hated the things was that I loved the man. Just because I loved myself, I was sorry to find that I was the sort of man who did those sorts of things. It's coming from the perspective of knowing my own stuff. Then I can truly help somebody else. The more I confront my own sin, the more humility I have in helping others with theirs. The more I come to grips with my own struggles, it makes me much more understanding of the struggles of others. And then, then I can truly be a help. I become more gracious, less condemning. Jesus said, we looked at this last week, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That is the overarching rule. It is the rule of love. And to see someone make choices and head down a path that you know where that's lead or see the damage that it's doing to them or to those around them and to not say anything is to avoid the rule of love. My dad was a building contractor and I worked a number of years for him. I actually got my full 10 years in the carpenter's union. Yeah, I got $400 a month pension coming from the carpenters. That's, that's how much I did, okay? But in that work, I got sawdust in my eye a lot. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you could just, you know, do the eyelash thing and pull it out and get it out. A lot of times you couldn't. And then you'd have to go to get somebody else. And very often it was my brother-in-law who I worked with. And that's kind of humbling to go to your brother-in-law and say, hey, I need your help. But here's the thing about getting a speck out of your eye. It has to be done by somebody who's, enough, who's able to get close. Because, see, you can't get a speck out of somebody's eye from a distance. And when we act or judge people from a distance, it comes across as condemning. When it's someone that you are close to, and that you've earned the right to speak into their life, and you know you can do it in love, and they can receive it in love, it's a whole different ballgame. So you got to be able to be close. And you got to do it with great care. Because you only got two of these things. And then you got to be willing to trust the person who's doing the work. And I think back on that, and I think what Jesus is talking about, because he worked in a carpenter shop, 
And I think he got a few specks of dust in his eyes, some sawdust, and had to have somebody help him out. And I think he understood. You got to get close. If you're going to address it, it should be someone who is close to the situation, who knows firsthand and knows the background and knows everything else. And you got to do it with great care. And you got to do it with a bit of trust. Now, having said that, let me tell you, anytime you have to have those difficult conversations, it is awkward. It is hard. It is not fun. And the chances are you're going to blow it. (laughs) But if you do it in love, with humility and grace, I think you do it right. And if you can do it in that way, I think it's received in that way. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You do what love demands. Would you bow your heads with me? I think Jesus spoke to three different types of people in these five sentences. I think he spoke, first of all, to those of us who tend to be self-righteous and critical and judgmental of those around us. And in all honesty, there's a bit of that in every one of us. And his words to those of us who tend to be that way is, you got to knock it off. You're not doing any good. In fact, you're doing more harm than good. And that's not the Jesus way. Secondly, it speaks to those of us who tend to avoid those tough conversations. And we've used that do not judge as an excuse to avoid the tough conversation. But you see someone's life and their decisions and how it's hurting them and how it's hurting those around them. But you keep saying to yourself, but it's not my business, not my job. Do not judge. And you say, no, no, no. There's a difference between condemning and discerning. And if you know about this and you have that closeness and that relationship and that, that love, then you need to speak in love. And the third group of people is those of us who harbor secret sin and continue to persist in it and excuse it or explain it or deny it or minimize it. And we think to ourselves, yeah, I I know I shouldn't, but God forgives, so it's going to be okay. You don't realize the damage you do to your soul. Chances are, on some level, all three of those types probably fit to every one of us here. But today... We close in prayer. I want to pray for us as a church. I want to pray for you as an individual. I'm going to ask you, first off, if you find that your propensity is to judge other people and write them off and make uh, make decisions about them without knowing the full story, if you know that that's a tendency of yours and you're willing to say, you know what, I I don't like that about myself and I got to stop doing it. I can't do that on my own. God, would you help me to start seeing people through your eyes? If that's you, just raise a hand. 
Yeah. Takes a bit of courage. Now, keep them up. If you're here, you're saying, you know what? My tendency is to avoid. Say, it's not my job, not my responsibility. I don't want to have that tough conversation. And that's kind of your default. Same thing, would you raise your hand? Join us. Yeah. Maybe you're here. You fit more in that third group. There's this stuff that you just keep doing and you don't even like it about yourself, but you find yourself excusing it and ignoring it and shifting off somewhere so you don't have to think about it. But today you're willing to say, God, I need help with this. It's not good for me and it's not good for the people around me. And I'm going to come clean. Same thing, would you raise your hand? Yeah. You can put them down. There's something about admitting that <laughs> starts a healing process. Maybe you're here today and you've never taken a first step of faith. And the thing that has kept you, maybe the thing that has kept you is this whole judgmental attitude. I want you to know God loves you just the way that you are. He accepts you just the way that you are. He loved you so much, he gave his one and only son who came and gave his life on your behalf so that you could know forgiveness and the love of God. And you could take a first step of faith toward him today, but it's got to start with admitting your need. And if you're here today and you've never done this, but you want to take that first step and just simply say, God, you know me. You know my sin. I can't go back and undo it, and I can't do anything to make up for it. It's there, and all I can do is ask for your forgiveness. Would you, by your grace, you performed on the cross, accept me just the way that I am, forgive my sin, and give me this new life that I need in you. You've never done that before, but today you want to take that first step. and ask you to do the same thing. Just raise your hand. Hold it up for a moment so I can see you and acknowledge you. In fact, if you look up, catch my eye. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to ask you to join me in this prayer. Lord, here I am with my faults, my struggles, my weaknesses, my sin. And whether my sin be avoiding or, or my sin be judging or something completely different, God, whatever it is, I need your forgiveness. And I can't change myself. I know that because I've tried. Today, I'm coming clean. And whether it's a first-time decision or a renewal of a decision I made a long time ago, I'm saying today, Lord, please forgive me. Let your grace wash over me. Change me from the inside out. I want to follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. You may-